You're listening to the ESP, the European Skeptics Podcast, an independent weekly show set out to bring you news, interesting topics and interviews with people mostly from Europe, building bridges and breaking down language barriers to show the world how active and awesome the skeptical movement is in the region. This is episode 352. I'm your host, Andras Pinter, and joining me for the show are my co-hosts, Anniko Harrison and Pontus Böckmann. Sziasztok! Hello! Hey San, hey San guys! So, we're still recording from different parts of the world. All the four corners of the flat earth are represented in this uh, call. <laughs> well, we, Anika and I are a little bit closer together. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, that's very relative. <laughs> yeah, we are both closer to each other than we are to you. Uh, yeah, okay. So, uh, <laughs> right, okay, yeah. okay. So where are you, Andras? Tell the listeners. I am currently in Malaysia mm-hmm. on the island of Langkawi, mm-hmm. obviously working. I wouldn't come this far just for fun, I think. And, well, some people uh, do, I believe. <laughs> some people do, and this is why I have a job. <laughs> so, <laughs> Thanks, travelers. So, uh, mm-hmm. Thanks, tourists. Yeah, and Annika, you're in Australia since a week yes. back or so, even yeah, more. Yeah, about maybe. a week, yes, yeah. yes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We'll be joining yeah, you exactly. soon, woo! Yeah, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. of course. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, by the looks of it, Pontus, you are in your basement yes, at home. Yes, yes, I'm very grounded. Okay. <laughs> it's not <laughs> undergrounded <laughs> <even>. Literally <laughs> undergrounded. <laughs> That's good. That's a good one. But soon we will be together again. And uh, I think this will be the longest time for us to spend together Yeah. since, we know, since we've known each other. Yeah, let's right? yes, see how yes. we will cope with that. Two weeks in Australia, yes, it's going to be like, a challenge. I was like, we'll either be very good friends after this or we'll hate each other's guts. <laughs> yes. Okay, so dear listeners, if after December, somewhere <laughs> around the middle of December, we announce that the show is over, that this has been it, that uh, because we've grown to hate each other <laughs> in, in the time that we spent to Australia, and that will be the Australian skeptics' fault. No, no, we won't, actually. <laughs> so you had this conspiracy theory here first <laughs> no no we are very very grateful for mm-hmm. the for the aussies to take us on and um yeah i can't wait to exactly. be exactly yeah and as we mm-hmm. said last week all the itinerary is on our website the esp.eu just click on meet the hosts live and then you will see the itinerary and we will you can if you're in australia you can try to catch up with us Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we we'll probably try to report on stuff along the way on our social media pages as well. So you can try looking at our Facebook page. Uh, we will try to get updates there, also, or even the uh, Twitter feed. <laughs> our Instagram page, a Twitter mm. feed. I'm not sure if Twitter is still around <laughs> at the yeah. beginning of, of December. I, I think it's. I think it might die a most horrible death. <laughs> yes. <laughs> What's going on with that now is is absolutely mind blowing. Mm-hmm. He's just uh, a loose cannon. Elon Musk, yes. Elon Musk by now came in like a wrecking ball, basically. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, down the sink. I still don't know why that that picture was shot of him carrying that sink around. He he was making a very very stupid dad joke. He oh. carried that sink and he said, "Let that sink in." Oh, it's not, okay. it's not even funny, but that's so, that was the, what he was going for. But oh, but now I'm, I'm pretty happy that I didn't know of that because, yeah, it's just bad. But uh, it makes much more sense <laughs> <laughs> now that he's sending it all down the drain. Yeah. So uh, shall we all move to Macedon? 
Maybe. I can't. I'm too old. I can't handle another social media. <laughs> Why, what is it? Why should I do it? Well, to be honest, I'm not 100% sure I understand how it works. So this is why I really find it interesting. So the way that it uses different servers, is it, it works like a federated kind of social network. It's a weird concept, at least to my, well, not too young mind <laughs> <laughs> either. So I'm not getting younger either. So um, if I need to explain what Mastodon is with one word, I would say confusing. <laughs> so... Uh, for me, it always so- always sounds a bit like ivermectin. <laughs> so, what? You know, it could totally be like, do you want to take some mastodon against your headache? <laughs> it sounds so much okay. like medication. <laughs> yeah, well, mastodon. Yeah, it's fascinating from paleontological point of view. I don't know. It has nothing to do with it. It's just uh, that I've seen a lot of people sending out messages on Twitter that you can find me on Mastodon under this name and that name. But so far, I've, I've checked out a couple of things. So far, I have no freaking idea. So if uh, any of our listeners want to enlighten us about that, I think it would be welcome. And we could share it with uh, our listeners as well. Yeah, I would really like to be educated on what this is. And if it's really a viable option if we want to leave Twitter. But uh, currently, there is no immediate reason to leave Twitter, is there? Just because it's now controlled by a crazy person. Well, as long as it's still working, I I don't know. I don't know. Um, (laughs) I'm usually more active on on Instagram and Facebook anyway, so it's not really hitting me Mm. hard. No, I'd I'd be happy to leave Twitter if uh, I need to, but uh, we'll see what happens. Yeah. Hey, Annika, I'm about to pack my bags for Australia. Do I need to pack an umbrella or scuba gear or what's going on down there? Uh, Probably all of the above, yeah. That's a good question. I hear stories. Yeah, and they are (laughs) quite frightening, actually. It's... um. I mean, where I am at right now, in in Armidale, New South Wales, we did have that much (laughs) rain. But we have to keep in mind, like, Armidale is a bit higher from, like, (laughs) geological perspective. And there have been heaps of floods where the ground is already completely saturated in wa- with water and then rain comes in and nothing can sink in. Ah, oh, sink and no- nothing can sink Not in. Not even Elon Musk. <laughs> okay. Not even him, no. <laughs> yeah, so there um, have been communities that, ha- that have been flooded several times this year. And if you just look at Sydney, mm-hmm. which we all know is a big city <laughs> in Australia, Sydney has seen 170 days of rain so far this year. So that means more rainy days than dry ones. They already broke their annual rainfall record last month, like in October. And they still have some time to go. The record not not only was hit, it was obliterated. Wow. We can sum it up to to one thing. Um, I read in an article about that also was said by my mother-in-law. She said rain was always a happy sound. We were always happy to hear rain because (laughs) as Australians, we need rain. (laughs) Like we're very, like everyone needs rain, but Australians especially need rain. Yeah, Australia is usually not linked in people's mind. It's not associated with uh, with floods. It's, exactly. it's it's associated with uh, wildfires, right? Yeah. So what is what is what is the the only thing that can put up fires is water. Uh, no, it's not the only thing. But um, <laughs> what 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 we associated with is is uh, water, and uh, this yeah. is why. Yeah, it's it's a welcome thing usually, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, exactly. But but she said it it turns from this beloved sound into this worrisome trigger where you're like oh will i be safe Mm -hmm. (laughs) 
will my community be safe? And and it just feels like Australia is getting pummeled from both sides in regards of like wildfires, mm-hmm. floods, and just like will there ever be be can they ever rest or will it just get worse and worse with with human made climate change going on? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Poof. Sounds bad. So to answer your question, I would pack lightly clothes because it can be pretty muggy and damp but also take a rain like a rain jacket <laughs> okay all right maybe we should skip the whole idea and go to portugal instead because Ooh. in leiria because it's dry <laughs> <laughs> well, I, hope, I think so but there's something <laughs> happening there we're going of course to fantastic convention but the day after this episode as conceptcon 2022 is taking place mm-hmm. in Le- leiria i think it's called North of Lisbon in Portugal. Yeah. So uh, it's, it's, it's the 10th anniversary. So uh, I hope they'll have Ooh, a good awesome. time. And I think they will. And uh, one day we need to visit that one as well. Yes. Mm. Hey, you can always invite us. <laughs> hey, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> wink, wink. Yeah. In the meanwhile, we will put the link in the show notes so you can uh, read all about it. Yeah, pretty good. Yeah, interestingly, just to mention something about where I am at uh, at the moment, Malaysia is experiencing extreme rains and floodings as well. Mm -hmm. So even though this is the rainy month, the the rainiest month of the year usually in Malaysia, local people are still freaking out about the fact that it's really flood-like at the moment. And it's, it's usually not like that. So the amount of rain that can fall down now is unbelievable and it's 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 just one thing that it's ruining a tour (laughs) yeah but it's ruining people's lives here Mm. some parts of the country are experiencing serious flooding terrible but we are hoping that we can do something about that yeah let's let's get back to that later with the news but before that why don't we start with this week in skeptical history also known as twish So, and uh, this week's birthday boy, and, well, we should probably not say boy because he died a couple of years ago as a as a pretty old man of high respect and very high acclaim, and that was Hungarian chemist and skeptic Professor Mihai Beck. Let me talk first about his, uh, his scientific work. He was a prolific writer. Back then, when he started building his career... We're talking about the 1960s, of course. He became a full professor in the 1960s at the University of Szeged, which is one of the most prestigious universities of, of the country. And he was born on November the 14th, 1929, by the way. So by the time this goes out, it will have been a couple of days ago that uh, his birthday was. And he died on July the, the 31st, uh, 2017, at the age of 87 years. He built a, a career mostly focusing on reaction kinetics and reaction mechanisms in all levels of uh, chemical processes. And uh, he went to uh, the Soviet Union to study for a while. He became a member of the Hungarian Academy of Sciences in 1973. So when I say he was a prolific science writer, I mean a scientific researcher uh, publishing a lot. Back then, if someone had 500 papers to his name, that was considered an amazingly high number. 
and especially with international, truly international connections back in the 1970s, when Hungary was still part of the Eastern political bloc controlled by the Soviet Union. I mean, Hungary wasn't, but uh, but it was part of the bloc. So it was due to his academic success and uh, academic excellence that uh, he could achieve all that. And he was an honorary member of the Finnish Academy of Sciences and, uh, and Letters as well. Yeah, he was an, a researcher of, of, of very high acclaim. But he was the first person, probably the first person who realized that pseudoscience is a, a big thing. So pseudoscience is something that we need to fight. And he published a book on that as early as the 1970s. And that was actually the first ever book published in Hungarian on pseudoscience. Mm. So, And it was titled Science Pseudoscience, and it became a bit of a bestseller back in Hungary. It was quite a big hit. And then later on in the 2000s, the early 2000s, he, he wrote an updated version of it. And it was a big success as well. And I consider myself very lucky because I knew him personally. And I met him several times at the annual meeting of Hungarian skeptics at my hometown, where he was a regular. He was there every single year. And uh, he was a founding member of the first formal group of skeptics in Hungary, which was called Tényeket Tisztelők Társasága, or the Society <laughs> Society of the Respectors of the Facts. Ah. That's a pretty cool name. Yeah. It is. It is a pretty cool name. And, well, basically, they were referred to as Hungarian skeptics for a long time. He met uh, several internationally regarded people of the skeptical movement, along with a couple of others who were prominent figures of the Hungarian skeptic movement. Basically, that organization, which was not a formally existing organization, it was just a formal group of people, and mostly members of the Hungarian Academy of Sciences and science writers, yeah, so that was what really triggered the founding of the Hungarian Skeptic Society, which was the first legally existing organization of that kind. And uh, we did that in 2006. We wanted him to become a member as well, but he decided to stay away because he felt too old for that kind of activism. But he was a supporter of our work still, and I think we can be very, very grateful to him for supporting our, our actions. Yeah, unfortunately, he died in 2017, but he lived an amazing life, an amazingly successful life as well, as his work as a skeptic being probably even more important. So yes, a great fighter against pseudoscience and an absolutely amazing researcher, Professor Mihai Beck, who was born on the 14th of November, 1929. Happy Very birthday. Cool. Mm -hmm. Yes. And I just realized that last week I talked about a Hungarian as well. So it's a little, I'm probably a little bit biased, but uh, <laughs> towards Hungarians. But Could it I'll be that you have something to, to do with Hungarians, Andras? <laughs> Yes, but it's not the right thing to do. So I'm going to try and find someone who's not from Hungary for the next for next week. Okay. <laughs> but Pontus, it's your turn to poke the pope. Yes, and I always poke the same guy, so you know. <laughs> yeah. It's like a monomania. <laughs> 
I missed something Frankie said a couple of weeks ago because we were too busy with QED. So I just wanted to mm-hmm. share that with you. He was talking during a convention with seminarians in Rome and also had a Q&A session where he answered questions. And among other things, he got a question about smartphone use. And it turns out that he personally is not a fan. He said that he received a mobile phone as a gift when he was ordained bishop in Argentina. Now, that must have been 1992. So I'm not sure he even (laughs) knows what a smartphone looks like. Anyway, he said to, to the seminarians there that he only used that phone once and that was to call his sister and then he immediately returned it. <laughs> he is okay with others using them though. Everybody have to be very careful with these dangerous devices, he says. And what is that danger, you might ask? The devil. Yes, it is the devil, you're right. <laughs> it's, but it comes in the form of pornography. Oh, I was thinking about dildos, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, well, <laughs> you always think about dildos, Anders. That's nothing uh, special. Why would I? Why would I? That's, just... that's, a, that's a serious accusation, and it's not based on any kind of evidence. Anders, please listen to the sentence, the devil comes in the form of dildos again. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right. So Frankie says that almost everyone has had experience, quote unquote, with this. And I don't know how he knows that, but uh, apparently he thinks so. And he went on to say, quote, it is a vice that so many people have, so many lay men, so many lay women. So he doesn't forget the women this time. So many Everyone lays. (laughs) So many lay women, also priests and nuns. The devil enters from there. So he's on the right track. God forbid we have nuns being entered by the devil. Caliente. (laughs) (laughs) But so many lay people, they just lay together. Yeah, that's right. Okay. So on a more... (laughs) Sorry. On a more serious note this week, long-term listeners may wonder whatever happened to the, quote, trial of the century that I have repeatedly mentioned over the year, more than a year, I think. And I'm just here to say I wish I knew because um, I don't, haven't heard anything for quite a while. For those who are not aware, the so-called trial of the century is the ongoing trial against Cardinal Betchew and others for embezzlement in connection with a failed real estate deal in London back in 2013, which allegedly cost the Vatican around 200 million euros. It seems that this whole procedure and trial itself has grinded to a halt, because I haven't heard anything for a long time. But at least one thing happened this week to remind us that this affair is far from over. The first ever, and so far only, Auditor General of the Vatican, together with his deputy, has now sued the Holy See for unlawful dismissal back in 2017. Fuck me. The now former uh, auditor and his deputy are asking for 9.3 million euros in damages after they, on Pope Francis' assignment, tried to audit this failed real estate deal and they were fired by Betchew himself for, quote, spying on the private lives of Vatican personnel, end quote. And there was never any proof uh, that that was the case. But all material gathered by the Auditor General was seized by church officials and have never been seen again. So they just took all the papers, including <laughs> also some personal stuff 
like months of diagnostic tests of the auditor for a possible cancer diagnosis. So he had to redone all these tests, which set back his treatment for months. So this was a serious thing. Mm-hmm. So the whole thing is a continued mess, and Frankie really need to step in and sort the whole thing out. He haven't even appointed a permanent new Auditor General yet, and this is five years after the previous one was sacked so so strangely. So there, <laughs> uh, I don't know. Frankie has repeatedly, and also when he started as a Pope, said that he wanted to make sure that all finances are in order and stop all all funny business and make more transparency and stuff. Um, he's not succeeding. Good luck. Yeah, he's not succeeding so far. <laughs> <laughs> well, everyone tries to, and, and, and that's an important problem that everything that we try to solve is hindered by. And that kind of attitude that if I personally can gain from something, there is no way I will do the right thing uh, if I can gain from not doing it. (laughs) So it's all about personal gain. And that's how we were screwed, I think. Pretty much. Okay, but just just how much are we screwed? So let's get into that in the news segment. So, uh, yes, COP27 is still going on as of this recording. But by the time this goes out, I think it will have been over it will be all over yeah all over and it's probably I, and i just read an article on the conversation by bobby Banerjee, uh who's a professor of management at the city university london and i think i agree with his conclusion that this cop madness should just stop it doesn't make sense it's something that is more like a parade than an actual problem solving gathering What do we mean? First of all, about 10,000 people attending a conference of this kind at Sharm el-Sheikh, which is a resort place. So this is where you will find uh, very expensive hotels, very illustrious places. And it's all about having fun, fun, fun. He is actually one of the attendees. Mm -hmm. And he says that it's his fourth COP. COP being the Conference of the Parties. And it's the 27th time that it's been organized. The first one was organized in, in 1995 in Berlin. And the other thing that makes it a little bit ridiculous is that the next one, COP28, is planned to be held in the United Arab Emirates. (laughs) which is one of the greatest providers of fossil fuels. Obviously, they have a vested interest in uh, maintaining the the status quo, right? And that is shown by their participation as well, because they have many, many delegates who are not only representing the country, but also representing the fossil fuel industry. And this time, it's the highest number of the represent of representatives of the fossil fuel industry that has ever attended the COP event. We're talking about more than six hundred people who are clearly linked to the fossil fuel fossil fuel industry. That means that they are doing the lobbying. They are doing a very very serious lobbying. And who are not doing the lobbying? We are. Us. <laughs> <laughs> That's, uh, this is what I keep talking about everywhere. This is exactly what I will be giving a talk on. Not, not only this aspect of it, but how we need to organize 
to be able to lobby because if we're not at the table where the decisions are being made or at least discussed, our voices will not be heard. And those companies, those people who do that at the fossil fuel industry, they get it done. They get the job done because they are they can push for their agenda. And as a result, for example, since 1995, when the first COP was organized, the amount of carbon dioxide emitted globally per year is about 1.5 times the amount currently compared to the 1995 one. Mm. Yeah. So instead of decreasing the level of carbon dioxide, we have been steadily increasing the level. And with people traveling again all across the world, I I can tell you, airports are crazy. Sometimes I see numbers that exceed the numbers of pre-COVID era. So there is no sign of decrease. And there is a recently published paper that says, we will uh, provide the link to it uh, on the show notes, that says that uh, in 2022, we will see about 1% increase in the carbon dioxide emissions compared to 2021. So much for for making a, a massive cut and trying to achieve what participants of COP 2015 in Paris, which was uh, the the Paris Accord, committed, many, many countries committed to that 1.5 degree as the top uh, increase in not carbon dioxide levels, of course, but global temperatures compared to pre-industrial ones. And it's not looking like uh, we'll be able to achieve that by 2050 or 2030, the parts that are necessary for that, for the whole thing to be achieved by 2050. So it's not looking good. And there is a lot of technology involved. There are technological improvements that we have seen. So things should be looking up. But because of the political agendas, because of people not being able to recognize the importance of their decisions and their role and their responsibility, for rich countries who are responsible for most of the greenhouse gas emissions, they should help out the other countries. We're talking about not only the effects of global warming in general, but there are some countries, and those are predominantly poorer countries, who will suffer the most because of the global changes like sea level rises. The ridiculous part is that, for example, the delegates of the uh, United Arab Emirates exceed the number of the delegates of the 10 countries that will be affected the most. One has this kind of feeling that it's not taken seriously enough and we're still not there when science is the driving force or at least the compass (laughs) that we choose to find the right way. Yeah, yeah. So I I could go on and on about this, uh, but uh, I'm pretty sure that everyone gets my point. It's basically a parade that doesn't make sense. There was an increase in the private jets used as well, which is a massive amount of per-person emissions. Even though the UN claims that it's uh, the Paris Agreement is legally binding, there is no way of enforcing those. And we see that happening. There are a couple of things like uh, nuclear power still being like something that we don't dare touch on because it's politically risky. But without that and without investment in things that actually work and can solve the problem and, and help everyone phase out fossil fuels, which has never been said to be happening. So they keep away from using the phrase phasing out fossil fuels. We did talk about this on the show. 
many, many months ago, that uh, the European Union is thinking of making natural gas a green option. Considering it a green option is just ridiculous. It's not a green option. It's greener than a couple of other things, but it's still not green. It's like a transitional kind of thing. So I'll stop the rant, (laughs) but... uh, I think it's very important that we realize that it's not how we will solve this. And we need to include all the other countries that will be affected the most. Yeah, my news item is just a quick heads up or a quick um, revisiting because we talked about the Golden Tinfoil Hat and Fact Heroes Award in October. And now the video of that is online. So, for example, you can see interviews with lawyer called Chancho Jun, or you can see also a video with Dr. Janusz Hegedus, who is a GVOP member. <laughs> and it has a very Hungarian sounding name. Yes. <laughs> At yes. least the first name. <laughs> Both. Hegedus is a very, it's a very common Hungarian name. Oh, okay. Didn't know that. It means the violinist, actually. Oh, okay. No, that. thank you for saying that, because I always love learning new things. <laughs> and <laughs> okay. he says uh, we have to fight nonsense actively, because if we just tolerate it, we won't get rid of it ever. That's a good quote True. that I think I might use in <laughs> one of the next episodes. It's just nice that this the video of this whole evening is online now. So, yeah, check it out. We'll put links to that in the show notes. All right. Mm-hmm. Speaking about tolerating nonsense, some people do not. Uh, do you remember the shaman and the princess of Norway? Uh, yeah, vaguely, yeah. yes. Sounds a bit like it, it a fairy about. tale. <laughs> it, 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 it's very much like a fairy tale. Uh, Once upon a time. Maybe in reverse. <laughs> maybe in reverse, because it doesn't end well for the princess. Princess Marta Louise of Norway has been an embarrassment for the Norwegian royal family for a long time. She was born as the first child of the then crown prince Harald and crown princess Sonja. And they are now the king and queen of Norway. And in a just world, that would make Marta Louise the crown princess. But we are a bit lucky here because the law in Norway at the time gave male heirs precedence over in line of succession. And although that law was changed in 1990, it only applies to newborn heirs. So it doesn't apply to her. Mm. So that was tough luck for her. She will not be the queen. And I think we should all be grateful for that. Her kid brother is the crown prince now instead. Princess Marta Louise has a long history of endorsing and being involved with Wu and alternative medicine. She has studied at an academy for holistic medicine and is trained as a Rosen therapist. Do you know what Rosen therapy is? It's a bit fringe. It's an alt-med nonsense therapy that claims to open the subconscious, integrate the body, mind, emotions, and the spirit. It involves uh, discreet touch, conversation, breathing exercises, and retrieving repressed memories, which we know is dangerous bullshit. (laughs) (laughs) But it doesn't stop there. The princess also claims that she can communicate with angels and animals, and she has founded an alternative therapy center called Astarte Education and is a co-founder of a school which is nicknamed the Angel School because they teach you how to talk to angels there. Uh, she's been involved with a British clairvoyant called Lisa Williams and in 2019 she announced that she was in a relationship with an American 
a self-appointed shaman named Durek Verit, and I've mentioned him before on the show, but that was a couple of years ago. They have toured Norway as, quote, the shaman and the princess, end quote. But all this has not gone down well with the rest of the royal family. In 2002 already, she lost the right of the title of Royal Highness. And although she can still officially call herself princess, she is forbidden to use that in her commercial adventures, especially with this shaman guy. The news for this week is it was announced that she, quote, in consultation with her family, end quote, has decided to step down from all official duties connected to the royal family. She's no longer receiving any financial support. She can still call herself princess, though, as long as she doesn't do it commercially. So there you go. Yet another proof that monarchy is a very stupid idea. This lady was almost in line to be the future queen of Norway. Mm. Yikes. <laughs> well, calling yourself a princess is not a privilege of uh, real princesses, right? It's a, Every girl can call themselves princess I think so, yeah. as they grow up. Yeah, I could call myself princess if I wanted to. Yeah, um, exactly. It's not limited to girls. <laughs> yes, exactly. Well, I will not. <laughs> but uh, speaking of royalty, do you know who the greatest opponent of Louis XIV was when he came to the prestigious title of the Sun King in 1661? Was it Pascal? No, no. that was King Liston XV. Oh. And he was one of the founders of a country that is now working as a republic, and not many people know it, and it's uh, called Listenburg. Listenburg. List Actually, the, the right pronunciation is Listenburg, Listenburg? Uh, I think. <laughs> okay. Because um, mostly predominantly French-speaking country, and not many people know that, that it's... Um, it's right uh, north of Genovia, isn't it? <laughs> somewhere around that but it's much bigger because it's and interestingly it has the same shape as france obviously it's a fake thing the whole thing <laughs> and it was a real a brilliant scam i think someone a french-speaking person i don't know if he's french but uh, goes by the name gaspardo on uh, twitter doesn't have a check next to his name though so i don't know <laughs> it didn't have the eight dollars that no, it took. Yeah. <laughs> didn't have eight dollars to do that so he says that uh, i'm pretty sure that the americans don't even recognize this uh, country and it's a country it's hilarious he took the shape of france he turned it i think about 270 degrees or 180 degrees and uh, put it next to portugal and spain into the Atlantic Ocean. And someone replied to that tweet almost immediately, saying that, of course, who doesn't know Listenburg? <laughs> and there was a meme. A meme was born and it started going viral. And it was absolutely hilarious that some people jumped right on this and started adding more and more information, so much so that this level of trolling is absolutely mind-blowing. A satellite map, a high-definition satellite map was added. Then someone claimed that they have a Formula One Grand Prix as well, <laughs> and that uh, they have an astronaut that was part of the one of the moon missions. 
<laughs> so this is the level of this meme. And then someone put up the Ministry of the Interior account on Twitter. And in three languages, it says, for all administrative procedures uh, related to identity papers and visas, contact us. <laughs> this will never and, go away uh, now. This will never go away. There will always be someone who not. believes that there's such a country. Yes, absolutely not. So it's it's brilliant. I think it's brilliant. The interesting thing is that obviously most of the people who jumped on this and wanted to make, be part of it, they immediately recognized it as a joke mm -hmm. and a good one at that, I should say. But uh, the problem is serious. There are people with very strong opinions on certain events and, and what's going on in the world without even knowing what country they, they talk about. So the Euronews article that lists uh, all the, the actions that were taken about the Republic of Listenburg, they list a couple of very serious kind of uh, mistakes that were made by even, even news outlets like CNN that uh, back in uh, 2005, for example, plays Toulouse in Switzerland and Strasbourg in Germany. So it's, it's an honest mistake. But when you are a news outlet and people turn to you for information, that level of mistakes is not tolerable. I, I should not be tolerated. A lot of American peoples are still referring to Czechoslovakia. So they have no idea that it's just two separate countries now. Um, it's not the first of this kind of joke. But I think it's one of the most elaborate ones and it just grew out of proportions <laughs> right after it was started. So yeah, well done. Mm. Well done, Gaspardo, whoever you are. It was a good one. <laughs> we should all go to Listenburg. Oh, yeah. So if anyone is listening to this from Listenburg, listening. Yeah, we would be more than happy listening. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think we should have the next European skeptical congress there. Yes. 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 Yes, it's a good suggestion. Mm -hmm. So we would we would have it in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean. Yeah. That's nice. Okay. <laughs> yeah, uh, something I also found good is that there's a newspaper that owned up to their own mistake. But what am I talking about? I'm talking about what we call the case of Natalie. There was this little girl called Natalie, obviously. And in Switzerland, people in 2020 claimed that she um, has been or had been ritually abused by a satanic sect, mm -hmm. including her father. Oh, not again. <laughs> yes, exactly. So I'm pretty sure we all, we already talked at length. <laughs> so I just actually wanted to talk about the newspaper who actually apologized for their unfortunate role in blowing that out of proportion, making this popular, because they said there was no case of Natalie. The father didn't do anything wrong legally, but what, of course, what they mentioned is the typical elements of international and uh, internationally connected satanic sect that is conspiring to, to lead the world. And of course, and the thing is that it's usually done not on purpose by um, therapists or other people that care for the kid or for the patient. And yeah, it's it's a really big thing, especially because in the US, for example, the so-called satanic panic is already, uh, yeah, we, like as, as you guys said, not again, please. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> it's already decades old. It's already decades behind them. But in German-speaking areas, including Germany, it's still a very big thing. 
So that's why I still have to talk about it. Mm-hmm. But I actually like that this newspaper owned up to their role and said, like, we're sorry that we did that. What was the name of the newspaper? It was called Bats. <laughs> Bats? Yeah. Bats. Uh, the Basler Zeitung. Ah, okay. <laughs> like a newspaper from Basel. I get it. Yes. <laughs> yes. And... Something that was also had to do with uh, the satanic panic is actually the name that Pontus struggled to pronounce, which was Bodegrave <laughs> Hrevik. Remember? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because they also said that they are like satanic people in there, which right. which weren't. So yeah, let's. I, I think I will keep talking about that in in the future because it's an important topic, but not for now. Because I wanna, I wanna hear what else we have in the news today. <laughs> well, we have more about politicians, so it's time for Pontus pokes the politicians again. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This time it's for the new budget proposal that shows that the government in Sweden wants to halve the funding for the environment and climate within a few years. Now, this has been met with extremely strong criticism from both researchers and environmental organizations. Environmental scientist Mikael Carlson calls the new autumn budget, quote, a killing blow to the environment, end quote. And he goes on to say, I have never seen anything like this, and I've followed environmental and climate policy for almost 30 years. The areas that will decrease the most in this year's budget are environmental monitoring, measures for the marine and aquatic environment, and the protection and care of sensitive areas of nature. The new climate and environment minister, Romina Purmuktari, she, she is by Iranian descent, so that's not a Swedish name, I hope I pronounce it right, She says that this year's budget has been restrained and she's trying to review what can be done without the money. So, uh, yeah, well, good luck with that. Uh, (laughs) Quote, we will have to work in a different way, she says. Well, uh, I guess you do. Now, this is the same uh, Romina Purmuktari who has already received very harsh criticism internationally at the ongoing COP27 meeting, Andras. Because many countries are very disappointed in Sweden's reluctance to commit to new actions to deal with climate change. There you go. Yeah. The, the new right-wing government of Sweden has in fact totally eliminated and closed down the 35-year-old Department for the Environment. And indeed... Already? The, yes. It's, so the, they, they are already doing damage. Yes. Dealing damage yes. to the country. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, fuck that. So, but they still have <laughs> Purmuktari. She is still a minister, but she doesn't only lack money. She doesn't ha- even have a department of her own. She's placed under the Department of Economic Affairs. And she is reporting to the minister of that re- department. So mm. uh, this is how serious the new government of Sweden takes environmental issues. Yeah. Well, isn't that what I keep talking about? Seems <laughs> to be. And I keep hitting the drums about. It's like... <laughs> Fuck politicians. All right. So we need to hear something positive. So, uh, Onika, I believe this week we have a really right. Yes. Yes, we do. Okay. So let's talk about the Russian war, shall we? <laughs> <laughs> that sounds far from right, yes. Is that to bring bring up the mood? <laughs> <laughs> no, but okay. it's, it's I want to talk about a Russian TV host 
I'm talking, of course, about Russian TV host Andrei Norkin. I hope I pronounced that right. He didn't want to say anything about the troop withdrawal from Cherson. Mm -hmm. He said he can't say anything critical about the invasion in, in Ukraine. He can't say, oh, it's good that they're going. He also couldn't say it's bad that they're going because on the one hand, it would mean something about the territory of Russia. On the other hand, it would mean that he's not, he's disagreeing with the regime. So he said, I won't say anything about it. So let's just look at the video and then some experts will have the word. So he basically said it as it is and said that something's not right in Russia without saying it. And for that, thinking on your feet and being smart about it, Andrei Norkin receives this week's prize for being really right. Yeah, very good. Mm. I saw the clip as well. He was very clever mm. because he, yes. he mentioned there's a law. And if he says the one thing, he breaks first part of the law. And if he says the other thing, he breaks the other part of the law. Yeah, that's what's so, the exact uh, problem. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and uh, there will be a jail sentence for both of yeah. those opinions, so he can't say anything about it. And that that's calling out the hypocrisy very, very well, without exactly. even saying anything. Without yeah. saying good. it, exactly. So Brilliant. it was it was a classical damned if you do, damned if you don't situation, <laughs> and he just did it very well. Yeah, and still raised the alarm yes. uh, that that there is something fundamentally yes, wrong something's happening. With, uh, with that regime. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, it's well-deserved. I think the really right award. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I hope they don't find anything that uh, they can remove mm -hmm. him uh, for mm -hmm. or uh, just jail him yeah, for. Yeah, seconded. All right. But that then brings us to the last thing that we need to do, and that is a quote. Yes, and this week's quote comes from a person we will all get to meet personally. <laughs> he was born in Europe and grew up in Australia. I'm, of course, talking about Dr. Karl Kruselitschke. I hope I pronounced that right. If not, I can ask <laughs> we'll him ask next him. week. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Dr. Karl. Dr. Karl, yeah, exactly. And he was asked how to do science communication well. And he said, and it's a long quote, so stay with me. <laughs> he said, just sit there and just churn out those words and just send those words off everywhere, all over the place, and try and get into all the media, even media that overwhelmingly puts forward lies like the earth is flat or that tobacco is good for you or that climate change is not real because at least you're getting to a new audience. So just keep on churning out that material, just doing it over and over again. You get good by doing it and by you make mistakes. And ignore opinions, stick to the facts. Right, stick to the facts. Stick to the facts. Yeah. That's, that's a very important thing mm -hmm. when, when uh, we communicate as skeptics. We could be a little bit boring sometimes. We could we could provide an interesting approach and, and an interesting delivery of the facts. But the facts are what matter exactly and and what people can can do with it yeah genau <laughs> <laughs> genau genau <laughs> all right so uh we'll meet again soon yeah very very soon yeah. oh actually i wanted to say that after the two weeks that we spend in australia i'll be landing in the uk 
and I will spend almost a week in the UK Ooh. visiting my sisters. And that is a call to all, all our friends in the UK who are around the London area, awesome. London or the south of England. I would be more than happy to catch up with you guys. Yeah, let me know if you are interested. Even if uh, we're not friends already, I'm always open for a social gathering awesome. um, of uh, with, with skeptics. But this concludes our show for this week. Thank you very much, Annika and Pontus. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Uh, many, many thanks to our listeners as well for tuning in. Please keep doing so. And until next week, goodbye. Tschüss. Hey, Dom. This lot. Tschüss. <laughs> 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 This has been your ESP experience. The show is produced and recorded by the ESP.eu. Join us again next time, but until then, please send your feedback, comments or death threats to info at the ESP.eu. We would also love to hear your ideas and suggestions regarding future episodes, as well as news from your country of residence that might interest others across the continent. If you have a local event or organization to promote, please don't hesitate to let us know as we are more than happy to help. All music in the program was written and performed by Keisha J. Gray and George Rob and is used with their permission. Please check out our webpage at www.theesp.eu, follow us on Twitter at espodcast underscore eu and like us on Facebook. I don't know how you can believe. By, by the way, Andras, you haven't put the name of the guy into the show, yes. show notes. <laughs> yes, that's right. I think he's called Mihaly <laughs> Beck. <laughs> bingo. Is Bingo Zin? Yeah. Who's Bingo? Uh, it's a uh, it's a very popular German, uh, not German, Australian uh, TV show about <laughs> dogs. Uh-huh. Cartoon. She loves them, and they're like it's actually really nice. It's even on Disney, so like it's pretty popular, and and of course they have Australian accents. So <laughs> She's going to grow up with that kind of accent. Yeah, I could be, I could I could go on and on. Oh, a gecko just came out of the. <laughs> Of hiding. <laughs> oh, and it immediately disappeared. Sorry. Calls the new autumn buddy, but fuck. <laughs>